Welcome to this edition of the Swim Swam podcast. I'm today's host, Coleman Hodges. And joining us, we have hat winner of the Distance Freestylers, the 2000, sorry, hat trick winner, 2023 World Championships. He's world champ in the 400 free, uh, silver in the 800 free, and bronze in the 1500 free. Today, we're sitting down with Sam Short. Sam, how's it going, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. I've um, paid a lot of attention to Swim Swim, obviously, throughout the years, and it's good to finally be on here. what a what a way to what a way to come on i mean you you're coming off a three medal performance um just how how is that sitting with you you know you're we're about a week removed from the championships uh, i'm sure it was a wild week for you especially because you swim on the first day and the last day and then somewhere yeah. in the middle I'm, I'm i think day three or four for the 800 yeah. final um but how, how how are you feeling about the meet overall um, you know, obviously stoked. I smashed my PBs throughout the whole week and it was my first, I mean, not my first major, major competition, but first big competition where I actually, you know, made finals and was in the position where I could potentially podium and all of them. And it was a massive week, as you said, you know, two 400s on the first day, two 800s in the middle of the week, two 1500s in the, at the end of the week. And I've never done that big of a program before. So um, I'm happy how I handled it and obviously stoked how I performed in the finals. And yeah, this last week I've just been relaxing. You know, only I swam this morning, but really easy. Uh, it's the first time I've done really exercise since. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You've, you've taken a little bit of time off, uh, which yeah. I, is, is well-earned obviously. Um, going into this meet, are y'all's trials, um, do you have, do you have just timed finals for the eight and the 15? Yeah, uh, I think we used to have heats finals before, what, like 2016, but they changed it to time finals um, for the 8 and 15, yeah. Okay, so um, I'm, I'm going to get to your trials in a bit because I, you had some great performances there as well. But um, like you said, it was a big week. Uh, you had never taken on this big of an event hall at a major meet like this. Um, how How did you prepare for that, especially coming off of your trials? having great swims, but, you know, obviously only swimming the, uh, the eight and the 15 once there and knowing that it was going to, um, be the full eight days of competition for you. Yeah. I think it just comes down to training. You know, I, I've been putting in some really big work this year, the best training block I've ever had starting from like November last year through to worlds. And, um, I rarely have like a bad session i always um am able to like throw down some good sessions uh no matter how tired i am and i always surprise myself that way and you know knowing that i was going with a massive program i think i had the most individual events oh, maybe excluding some 50s i had a lot of individual events and they're all big events so uh i just relied on my training and i do a lot of k's and damo had full my coach had full faith that i would be able to perform in all three yeah uh, so let's, I'd love to get into some of that training and, and nitty gritty of that, but let's um, talk about the events first. So like you said, you start with the 400 free prelims and finals of that in the same day. Um, and then we have a great race heading into finals. Just, I mean, it's a loaded field. Uh, you have Winnington, who's the defending world champ. 
you have Hafnawi, who's the defending Olympic champ. Um, yeah. You know, you have some other guys in there who can really throw down um, Martins, who's been 341, right? And so what what was your strategy heading into that swim? Um, and, and how do you feel like you were able to execute it and also react, you know, maybe midway through the race, just kind of seeing where you were at with everything? Yeah, so after my heat swim, when I went that 342-4, it felt really comfortable. Like I shut off with 100 left. Uh, and just try to get my hand on the wall first. I was full of confidence. I wasn't nowhere near as nervous for the final as I was for the heat, which was weird to me. Um, and I knew it was a stacked field. Like the medals could have come literally from any anywhere in the race. And uh, I, I studied the sport like historically. I know pretty much what everyone's front ends will most likely be. And you know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna take it out fast. I flipped at one forty nine two. I didn't expect uh, half an hour to also go out in 149.5. So me and him were uh, at halfway, basically separated from the field, and I knew that. Uh, and it was just a race in two. And, uh, yeah, came home faster than I ever have on the last 100, which is something I've been training training for this last year, but I can obviously still improve a lot more. And got my hand on the wall first in that one. And uh, the time was, you know, amazing, 340.6. I didn't expect to go that time this year. I would have been happy with a 341. So that's what I've been training for. Um, but, yeah, smash that out of the park. No kidding. I, I mean, so some people might not realize this. I didn't until I was doing my research earlier. Uh, but, you know, you're a you're a world championship silver medalist uh, as a member of the 4x2 free relay from last year at 2022. So yeah. I I didn't realize that, that you had that kind of 200 freestyle speed um, but I mean, taking it out in 149 is not only gutsy, but it, a little, a little risky, you know, that always scares yeah. me as a fan watching. It's just like, okay, how, they're taking it out yeah. aggressively. How is this going to work for, you know, them, uh, Mr. Short in your case. And, you know, you, you really backed it up. Like you said, you were able to finish really well, um, and, and get, get your hand on the wall by two one hundreds to a, to a charging half nowy. Um, yeah. so how, how do you balance that in training, you know, speed versus finishing speed? Um, I mean, did you have a goal time of taking it out for that first 200 or was that more of a feeling of, Hey, I'm just going to kind of hit the gas and then, and then trust that I have the back half. Yeah. So I've done a bunch of, uh, good 400s in season anyway, I went 342 for, in April, completely untapered. And in that race, I went out in 150.1, which was the fastest I went out in. And so I knew I wanted to be at 149, like mid. Uh, I thought I was going to be at around 149.5. Didn't expect the 149.2. Uh, and I, you know, of the amount of training that I did, I was fully prepared to, you know, hurt that last 150. Like my tactic was kind of, get to the last hundred and just race the boys on the last 50 and see what I can get. Uh, yeah. So just falling back on the training because I've done put like push two hundreds going one fifty as well, pretty comfortably. So I knew I could, you know, get out faster than that and then bring it home. You push two hundreds going one fifty comfortably. That's impressive. <laughs> That's, yeah, uh, I've done I've done some crazy sessions, uh, particularly in the last year. It's really picked up. Uh, I don't know if it's because I'm you know getting older and physically <laughs> getting stronger, but um, yeah, last year's uh, been training the house down for me. Really, <laughs> what can can you give us a taste of that? I mean, what is there a set that 
you go to is your go-to of like all right this is going to boost my confidence or a set you remember of like all right this you know i did really well on this one i think it's worth noting that you know you just told me um you have tommy neal as a training partner uh, among a few other speedsters who he's a great tuner freestyler himself yeah yeah tommy he's got me covered on all the speed sessions that's for sure i've seen him throw down some great speed sessions and he probably beats me in the 50 flies when i'm trying to do freestyle but um in regards to the 400 uh i mean to get the best confidence you just got to be able to rep out you know hundreds on uh, like 130 as like as comfortably as you can holding the rate well i don't really train the time necessarily uh i try and hit my rate which is typically around 43 for that 400 or 42 which is what i want to hit and the time will come off that I think before I knew I was on the week before Worlds when I did a broken four and I was, you know, I like it was three push hundreds and two push fifties and I was like fifty three two fifty fours and then I uh, don't really remember what the last two fifties were but I knew I was in good shape when you can really handle a lot of hundreds just holding pace and rate. Yeah, when you say forty three forty two, is that stroke count? Uh, stroke rate okay i don't really know how damo calculates that but yeah <laughs> <laughs> do you so do you know how many strokes do you know your stroke count per 50 or is yeah that, okay i think it's i think it's typically in the 400 probably like 35 36 i want to say 1500 is like the lower 30s um, or trying to be anyway <laughs> gotcha okay that's what yeah because i was like that seems a little high for, for a yeah, for a 400, but stroke rate, not stroke count for, for that one. Um, that, cool. Uh, so so moving on to the 800 then. Um, well, I guess first off, you know, first day of the meet, you're a world champion. And I mean, you, you did it in historic fashion. Um, were you able to, like, was that able to set in before you moved on to the 800? Or what was that immediate reaction for you? Oh, how stoked. I, um... I was buzzing, that's for sure. And uh, I had, you know, veterans of the team like Emma McKeon and Kyle. They're like, yeah, you're like, you're world champ. That's absolutely amazing. But you've got a massive program. You've got to really try and bring it down. You can celebrate at the end of the week. So I really focused on, I kind of like tried to act as if I didn't just win a world championship. I really just went home, watched some Netflix, didn't even look or read any anything about swimming and just tried to switch off and, then I had a day to recover and then I had a big 800 heat. So uh, thankfully for those, you know, veterans of the team told me to focus up, you know, you've got a big, big rest of the week. You've got a massive program. And uh, that's something I've learned a lot over the past year is, you know, settling the emotions and moving forward throughout, you know, big schedules. Yeah. And I, I think it's really impressive. You're 19 years old and, and you were able to do that. And like you said, you had help, you had, you had advice from veterans, but the fact that you were able to come back and perform in, in longer and longer events um, and get on the podium in all of them again, at like your first big worlds with, with a program like this um, to me, that's really impressive just as a, as come starting the meet on such a high. Um, so, so then moving forward into that eight, um, where does, where do you feel like the eight falls for you? I mean, obviously you have the speed, you have the coming home speed. Um, so I, I where, where would you rank them? You know, like four, eight, 15, D- do you feel more comfortable in one or the other? I feel, um, my stroke and like my tolerance for how much pain I can really handle. I can really fit the 800 
it's like my sweet spot. I feel I can haul a really high tempo and and rep out some quick times. And I feel like 800 is kind of that sweet spot. 400 is always kind of intense because, you know, the way I swim it, it's kind of pedal to the metal from the get-go. And 1,500, uh, I do hurt on the last couple hundreds, but I'm getting better. Uh, but 800 is kind of the sweet spot for me. Yeah. So, you know, knowing that, knowing yourself as an athlete and having just won a world title, which I'm guess I'm guessing, uh, you know, gives a little confidence. Um, can you tell me about that 800 final and, and how you wanted to pace it um, coming off of the prelims and, and how you felt like it ended up going? Yeah, so I was uh, went seven forty point nine in the heats, and uh, I was not expecting to go seven forty. I thought I was going to go around seven forty two. I felt really good, uh, and that final I think must have been the fastest final across the board ever because you know you had Bobby Fink in lane two, you had Dan Whiffen in there, uh, like the Martins, Costa, the Brazilian, Hafnawi, obviously Romantrup. It was just absolutely stacked. So I knew the pace was going to be on. I, was, I, I knew it was going to be a textile suit world record to win it. Didn't think a seven. I knew it was going to be below 7.38 to win it. Um, and my strategy for that, knowing that I was won that 400, was I was really going to use my speed because I've watched Bobby just absolutely tail up everyone on the last 50 for two years in a row. And I'd be really impressed if he could throw down a 25 last 50 if we go out in a 1.347. Like that's... That is hard to do. So um, that was my strategy going into it. I didn't expect um, Martins and Hafnari to also be going out that fast. I didn't. I got to the 400 and I was locked between those two boys and I was thinking, oh, maybe I haven't gone out as fast as I thought. Uh, but it hurt a lot because we went out in that 347-1 and, um, you know, I kind of just hung in there for the last 200 and then I still came home, I think, in a 55-1 the last hundred, but half now he came home like 54 two. So um, he rolled me a bit on the last 50, but I was stoked with the time uh, snagged Hackey's Australian record, Grant Hackett's Australian record, which has been a big goal of mine. Um, and I didn't think I was going to get it this year. Yeah. To give our listeners a little context to that heat, um, Lucas Martins was fifth and broke a German record. Daniel Whiffen was fourth and broke a European record. Bobby Fink was third, broke an American record. You were Sam Short. You were second, broke an Oceanic record. Uh, yeah. The only reason <laughs> Ahmed Hafnawi didn't break an African record is because Osma Luli was so fast Luli. in 2009. Yeah. So like, like you said, uh, probably the fastest 800 free heat from top to bottom, I think, in history, even um, you know, even given that 2009 world champs heat, I'm guessing, uh, this, this, this had a little more depth, but, um, yeah, like you said, you broke Grant Hackens pretty legendary 800 free record. Um, it, give me your thoughts on the world record in this event, you know, 732. um, <laughs> obviously it was from that super suit era, but, uh, yeah. you know, do you see that going down soon? Is that something that you know, you, you, you know, I don't want to say like have your sights set on, but is that something that keeps you motivated or, or isn't, is, is in the back of your mind? Um, For me, it's probably, I do believe it's the far hardest men's record on the program to get uh, probably equivalent. I think the women's 200 fly records also extremely stiff. Uh, But 
seven thirty two one. It's just like crazy, and he and he split it. I think he went three forty six out three forty five on the on the last four hundred. So it was just ridiculous how he swam it. Uh, I don't think it'll be broken in the next. I would be very surprised if someone broke that in the next couple of years. But I do. We are edging closer. I mean, three boys out in three forty seven one. That's no, it's not far off where um, obviously the world record holder went out in. So, you know, it's moving in the right direction. I think Maluli's, uh, I think he went 345. I think that can definitely um, get closed in on and broken. Uh, but 732-1, that's another three seconds down from that. So that's very hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when we, you know, yeah, when we have our world record talks at Swim Swim, like that one is always just like, not gonna happen <laughs> so, yeah yeah like you said um that that might be the hardest one on the men's side um and so so you you know you have two great battles with ahmed Hafnawi in the four and the eight um you you get him on one he gets you on the other um and then heading into the mile you know i, I guess after that performance do you feel like it was easier to to calm the emotions harder to move on from from uh from that race how, how do you feel like you digested that one uh i think i i was obviously over the moon with the performance and the time and i was loved sharing the podium with half now and bobby i thought that was an awesome experience and i calmed down pretty well had two days recoveries which was excellent swam through those days which i really needed those days to rest because that 800 took a lot out of me um but yeah, I feel like I executed my recovery as better than I ever have before. So really allowed me to step up. And I knew I was going to have to do a pretty solid 1500 heat to make the final because just because the depth is crazy. Um, so that was my main goal is being prepared to stand up in the morning and go well sub 15 minutes to try and make that final. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, which you got the job done. Uh, yeah. You, you, you made that final. Um, and then, you know, we saw you take it out re- really, really strong. Like you said, you kind of have that front end speed. Um, what was, what was your thought process or race strategy heading into that 15? Yeah. Um, well, I wasn't, uh, really too happy with the way I swam my heat. Uh, I kind of got caught in the cat and mouse game with the boys and, uh, didn't back myself. And I'm a typically a person that likes to swim at a higher tempo and I dropped my rate too much in that 1500 heat so and the way i train is to really push after the first 200 really have a really solid second like that 500 to the 700 meter mark like really hit the rhythm and just keep striding and that's all i was thinking was i'm going to really commit to this 1500 i'm going to put it out there i want to get to the thousand and see how much i can really probably hurt myself and push myself to see if i can be in contention for a medal uh out of all my events i didn't think i'd I thought that one won. that one was going to be the hardest to meddle in uh, for me. And, you know, obviously I went out hard. I didn't think I'd be flipping it. I think I turned it 349, um, which is very fast in a 1500, and then 745, one at the 800, um, which hurt. I was hurting a lot that last 500 of that 1500. And I saw um, Ahmed and Bobby go past me, I think at the 1,000. Uh, but I did notice I was third and I was – I was willing to, you know, really fight for that third bronze medal against Dan. Yeah. I feel like it's interesting. This was one of the coming into the meet. This was one of the events that we were like 
top to bottom, this is going to be, you know, a marquee event because we have so much depth in this heat. You know, we saw two of the top performers not even uh, make it to the final um, in Wellbrock and Paltrinieri. And it was still, you know, such a loaded heat with so many guys who had the potential, you know, had the best time to get on the podium. But it's interesting because it's the longest event in the pool. It's on the last day. (laughs) Uh, At this meet, it was after open water. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting dynamic where, um, you, two guys went best times, you know, but then, but then the rest of the field, um, was, was off, you know, it's, and to me that that's kind of expected, you know, you have, uh, some guys who are going to kind of step up, um, and be able to match or go a PB. And then like some guys it's like, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to get through. Um, and so, you know, when you flipped at the thousand, uh, could you pretty well see like, okay, I think I'm in third. Like it, were you kind of on cruise control at that point? Or was there a lot of adrenaline pumping to, to fight for that last 500? Um, I knew I was in a good spot for a medal, which is really where I wanted to be. And I saw I had a pretty decent, maybe a bit over body length on uh, Dan, who I, who I saw was probably in fourth. I couldn't really see past Ahmed. So I wasn't sure if Ramantruk was having a blind around on the side. So, um, yeah, I was willing to push myself. I do that like I do in training every day. Uh, and uh, I still reckon if I had to, you know, go as fast as possible in the last 50, I probably could have found another gear. But obviously we'll save that for another time to come, hopefully, when I'm edging closer and closer to those uh, two boys out in front. Um, but, yeah, obviously a lot of adrenaline. Didn't expect to be in the, that position three, uh, two-thirds of the way through the race. Um, it was really exciting, and I, I rewatched the race uh, a couple of days ago, and you know I was getting I, I, like I was getting excited, even though I was, you know, the one in the water. So <laughs> that was, I'd say, that was one of the best races of the meet, um, just from a fan's perspective, because we did have you going out and setting the pace, um, and then you know the final five to three hundred meters with Ahmed and, and Bobby. Um, yeah, that was, that was a bard burner. Um, so, so coming off of this meet, uh, what do you, do you feel like you have takeaways? Do you feel like you're like, okay, th- this is what I got to do for next season, uh, to, to maybe move up on some of those podiums. Yeah. Um, obviously a lot of learning experiences taken from the week as a whole, uh, but mainly confidence, I think, um, you know, I was really proud of the way I stepped up and handle, handled a bit of pressure that was put on me, you know, I had a really good in-season swims and had a really good trial. So a couple of people expected me to perform and I was really happy that I did, you know, stood up and got the job done. Uh, and, you know, obviously our training will be altered because now I know for sure how, you know, those guys that beat me swim the races and, you know, I'll probably train in a way, hopefully that I can counter that and at Paris or maybe earlier if we both race, if we all race between, between now and then. Um, yeah, basically we'll train the way it changed the way I train a little bit just to get an edge on some of those boys. But obviously I'm still, you know, nineteen. So I think to be fair, if I trained the way I trained this year, I might get a little bit faster without really changing anything um for next year at Paris. I think that's a pretty fair statement. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh heading into this year though, um the 
you've how long have you been with uh at your current training squad yeah i've been at rackley um under damien for since i was 16 so uh coming up to three years maybe three years yeah three years what do you feel like has worked for you um at rackley uh with with this partnership of your coach yeah i feel like it's a really good environment obviously everyone is in there working really hard which is what you want at a training facility uh damien is really eager um he learns like he learns all the time and he's always looking to get better but he's also really good at switching off and i feel like damo is someone i can talk to not about swimming like if something bad's happened in life i can probably go up to him anyway and talk and i think we're going to the footy on friday with um me him tommy and our assistant coach uh tim dilger we call him digger so uh it's a really good environment uh, he's yeah super eager. He learns and he's very smart and good at what he does. So all credit to him. You know he's gotten me huge PBs. I think I dropped eleven seconds in my eight hundred in the last year. So that's full credit to him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, uh, it seems like this season has been. I don't even know if a breakout season is fair because you're the reigning Commonwealth champion in the fifteen hundred. I mean, you've kind of been on this steady progression. Um, especially since you have been at Rackley. Uh, I, I remember we've we've been reporting on you at least since you were 16 uh, when you made yeah. that move and kind of um, started breaking Australian age group records. Um, so, But in terms of this year, um, moving through the meets, you know, like you said, you were 342 in season. Um, you had a, you had a massive trials. How do you, how do you and your coach feel like you were able uh, to have such a, successful in season and especially successful trials and then move forward and keep that momentum rolling and, and then, you know, perform at a very, very high level uh, at world champs when you, when you want to perform at your highest and at your best. Yeah. I think um, it's just staying focused on your, the goals, you know, trying to stay on track and get the job done at each kind of step in the way. Uh, I wasn't expecting to, dropped that 342 and I think I went to 742 in April. Uh, that was not expected at all. And I feel like that was kind of my game changer moment. I was like, oh, wow, like I reckon I could really do something this year. This is exciting. Um, and just kind of move through. I yeah, didn't drop the volume leading into that week of uh, racing in April at all. And we went to a training camp in Townsville with uh, Rackley in the city and then Miami at the Gold Coast uh, with Richard Scarce. So we had a really good training camp in Townsville very hot there um, and we put in some really good work and then, you know, trials was just around the corner and uh, had one goal in mind. Obviously that was to make the team, but I wanted to put up some really good times just, you know, to show the other boys around the world that, you know, I'm coming through and I really wanted to, you know, get one up on Elijah because obviously he's the reigning world champ. He was the reigning world champion uh, and I race him all the time because we're from the same city or train in the same city. So um, I love racing him. And we both went 3.43 at trials. Uh, I went a 7.40 in the 800, which I was stoked about and snagged a little PB in the 1500. I think I went 14.46. So, um, yeah, I was obviously super stoked. And I think we've kind of – I've only done probably two major tapers in my career. I've only really tapered twice leading into competitions. So I'm still learning. First time was probably commies, uh, com games for last year. And obviously trials through the worlds this year was my second time. So I've kind of learned to keep volume high leading into trials. I was still 
putting in some decent Ks, but just not as hard. And then from there, we kind of dropped the volume leading into um, Worlds and I freshened up, felt great. And, yeah, the rest is history, really. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot of follow-up questions on that. Uh, that was some great insight. Um, when you decided to go to Rackley, A, had you been swimming long at that point at age 16? And B, as you mentioned, um, St. Peter's is in the same town. You got uh, Dean Boxel, great training group, reigning world champion in the 400 free as of as of two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what, what made you choose Rackley? Um, yeah, so I originally trained at a club called Albany Creek. Uh, which is close to my house and under Richard Slate, I was there for like nine years under him and he actually got a job at St. Peter's Western. So he um, went to St. Peter's and I was actually originally probably going to plan on going there, but they don't let you swim there unless you go to the school and they weren't willing to make the exception. So I was like, all right, I'll just go to the Rackley. And I just saw Tommy Neal uh, tear it up at world juniors in that year, which was 2019. So I was like, yep, I'm going to, go to Centenary and train with Tommy and try and, you know, see if I can get to his level. And, yeah, went to Damo. He took me in um, and just been putting in some good work since, really. When you got there, um, did you have aspirations to, you know, make a world's team, become a world champion, break Australian records? You know, what what were your goals um, three years ago? Yeah, I've always had really um, ambitious goals. That's kind of the person I am. I uh, had a, a pretty good age group years as a younger um, athlete. I've always kind of been at the top for like the distance uh, races in my year level, in my age category. And, you know, just kind of moved through. And each year I was always comparing myself to the all-time rankings, uh, and which in Australia is really, really impressive. I think the... 16-year-old 400 free age group record would have won the Olympics by three, like two seconds because it was Thorpey, <laughs> um, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and like Perkins went sub 15 minutes at 16 or 15, something crazy. So the records are stiff and there's some, been some really fast guys come through throughout the years and I was always targeting their times and trying to replicate their swims. And I think when I joined uh, Rackley under Damien, um, yeah, I've always wanted to be a world champion and you know, and I think every swimmer athlete has the dream to be an Olympic champion and you know that's what I'm training for in the over the next year to come. Uh like you said, you you'd always been kind of at the top of the distance rankings. W- was distance swimming something you had always chased or something that always looked looked good to you, had an allure to you? I mean, especially like you said, there's such a legacy in Australia with Ian Thorpe Grant Hackett, Kieran Perkins, you know, just at the top of the list. Um, but is, is distance swimming, was that always the events you wanted to target? Yeah, um, I think from a young age, probably around 12. I used to actually do backstroke when I was really young, but I was kind of a late grower and uh, all the sprint events, would, I was just getting smashed by boys that were just way taller than me. So I kind of said to myself, I'll just keep – increasing the distance until I actually get a medal. So I'll keep going higher until they tire out and I'll just keep going. So I think from around 13, I did my first major age nationals and I did the 400 and 800 and, you know, I loved it, swam well on them. And that's kind of where my love for distance swimming uh, 
kind of started and started watching those epic videos from Thorpey and Hackey when they and, and Perkins when they just dominate their races. And I just researched a lot of their times and splits and kind of got a little bit obsessed almost of how good these guys have actually been for Australia. And they're household names, right? Probably there's not many household names in a, for Australian swimming uh, over the last, what, two decades. But that like 2000 to 2004 era, they were all household names. Everyone knows who Ian Thorpe is. Everyone knows who Grant Hackett is. And most people know who Kieran Perkins is. So I think from that young age, I really just wanted to try and have my name near those boys. And yeah, it kind of influenced my hard working and to where I am now. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, I guess just this year, as well as moving forward, um, how do you feel like you were able to balance training for those three events that you meddled in at this world's? Uh, because I mean, I feel like it's easy to lump them all into distance swimming, but I also feel like they're pretty different. Right. And they, especially yeah. like the 400 compared to maybe the eight and the 15. Um, I mean, well, they're, they're all essentially double each other. Right. And so it's, they are pretty different races. Yeah. Uh, I feel we have a pretty good, uh, like schedule at, uh, Rackley. I, I mean, I do probably my 400 work on the Monday and then I go really, really like do speed set on the Tuesday afternoon typically. And then Thursday afternoon's our biggest day of the week. Thursday, we, we get some big kilometers in there and that's kind of the 800 work. We don't, I don't really typically train for the 800 specifically, that kind of just happens. I feel I do 200 work, 200 pace session on Saturday morning. Uh, and yeah, the 800 kind of happens. Cause I feel if you have a good 400, you have a good 1500, the 800 will just happen. And, you know, it has for me so far, so I'm not really going to change much in that perspective, but um, yeah, it is hard training for all of them and they're all hard sessions to train for. So when the sprinters are doing their dive 35s, you know, and I'm slogging out 500s and descend 300s, it's, you know, I get a bit jealous, but, you know, it's worth it in the end. Yeah. Do you have guys who slog it out with you, you know, on, on those longer sets? Um, yeah, sometimes we're getting more. Uh, I had, you know, Tommy Neal used to do it with me all the time, but now he's kind of drifted into the IM. He made he made the IM, 200 IM for, at Worlds, and he's crucial in that 4 by 2 for Australia at a minimum. So that's he's not really doing the big distance sets with me anymore, but... Uh, we have a younger girl, Tiana Kritzinger. She's representing Australia um, at World Juniors coming up. So Damien puts her in my sessions and she's the hardest worker probably I've seen. And um, we have a couple of younger boys coming through that Damo puts in to see if they can handle it. Um, but yeah, definitely no one to actually like race. Typically, I'm, I'm all mentally pushing myself towards the end. Do you feel like that <clears throat> helps you? Or, you know, do you feel like there's a balance between that being an advantage versus a disadvantage of kind of oh. doing it by yourself? Yeah, uh, I feel obviously I can always push myself more if someone's there with me, but there are benefits to training by yourself. You know, you can, it's all mentally, I felt you yeah, get really mentally tough when you're doing those long sets by yourself. And, uh, but, you know, if I probably wasn't training by myself, I wouldn't have gotten the results I had you know, the last week, um, it just, I feel like it just strengthened me a little bit in that aspect. Yeah. 
do you moving moving into this year this olympic year uh do you feel like the, the 200 free has a place in your event schedule especially at, at trials yeah um this year I, I was nominated to do it at trials and it's always kind of an insurance policy for me if i didn't make the 400 i was going to do the 200 free to get on that relay um but I, don't, I think in the next year probably not uh just because i'm still learning on how to manage that big program and i feel like with more experience i'll potentially be able to throw in a four by two in the middle of that because all i know is um 2022 worlds i was entered in the 800 the 1500 i did the four by two and I did the four by two and we got a silver medal and I was so excited and I did not sleep a wink that night. And the next day was a 1500 heat and I just did horribly. So um, I, I just, something I got to manage. I reckon I could, would have done a very good 200 if I did it uh, at, in the four by two at Worlds. So definitely in the future, um, I would love to be part of those relays. Yeah. Um, so just for, for a normal training week for you, um, do you kn- do you count kilometers? You know, do you know uh, what kind of Ks you're throwing down for, for a normal training week? Yeah, um, I'm pretty, I mean, compared to some of the other distance guys around the world, I'm still pretty light on. Uh, I wouldn't really go much higher than, I definitely don't, I, I maybe only had one week above 80K for the week. So probably averaging 70K or less typically. Um, which is not that much really compared to I'm sure Paltrinari and Florian Wellbrock probably throw down some monstrous Ks. So yeah, I've obviously got room to move in that aspect too. So, I mean, if my PB stop, start decreasing, I'll probably increase the Ks a little bit just to get fitter. But um, yeah, in that aspect, I don't really do that many Ks compared to distance swimmers. I do a lot more Ks than the sprinters though. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. 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 But I mean, that's, you know, it sounds like you're, you're doing serious work and again, you're training for uh, a wide range of events. So it's not, it's not just kind of one thing, you know, you're not just a mile or 800 or yeah. It's, it seems like you've got some speed in there too. Um, so I, I guess just to, to wrap this up, you know, moving forward, we are, I guess now kind of in this Olympic year, um, coming off of this world championship performance, how, how do you assess that, uh, in the context of moving forward into Paris 2024? Yeah. I'm excited. I I love racing kind of got me a bit addicted to be honest. I want to step back up and race again. Um, I'm excited. Got a couple of good competitions, uh, that I can race at hopefully leading into Paris and, uh, yeah, just want to get more experience racing some really good other athletes and, I really just want to make my first Olympic team and get the tattoo. <laughs> That's all I want to do, really. So I'm super excited. I'm trying to stay balanced. I still do university, so I'm going to try and keep that going over the next year as well. Uh, but, yeah, all just excitement on my end. Awesome. Well, Sam, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat. It's, it's been really great getting to know you and your swimming a little bit. Um, any parting thoughts for our audience before we sign off today? No, not really. Just thanks for listening and thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Swim Swam podcast. Stay tuned for new episodes every week. You can take Swim Swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. Look for links in the description below. 
and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.